Amen. Welcome back tonight. Take your Bibles, please. Find Revelation chapter 1. A part of my text will not be in Revelation, but I wanted to say that uh, to Brother Bush when he returns that I preached in the morning in Genesis, and by the evening service, here we are. <laughs> Revelation 1 and verse 9. And then we'll turn to Job for my message. You do not have to turn there, but you're welcome to join me as I'll reference a few verses out of the book of Job, chapter 1. Revelation 1 and verse 9 is, is the only... Remember what pocket I told you? Right <laughs> Thank you. I remembered. Verse 9 is there one verse, so if you'll read that with me. I believe you say Patmos. If you say Patmos, we will all laugh at you. But I believe that it's an, it's, it's an isle and not an isle. Isle. So <laughs> I just uh, want to make sure the big words are covered for Brother Josh. <clears throat> Revelation 1 and verse 9. Ready? I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Before I pray, just think about that one verse there. If you know anything about what John went through. History says he was boiled in oil. He was beaten with carpet beaters. He was dropped off a building, landed on his knees. Toughest part about him, probably. Just a prayer warrior. True man of God. All the things that went into him being exiled by Nero on the Isle of Patmos. And his commentary about it. I was on the Isle of Patmos. That's all he said. No complaints. No elaboration. Just your companion in tribulation. And here I am on the Isle of Patmos. I don't know what your island is tonight. I want to speak to you about now what do we do? Now what do we do? A simple message, a practical message. I hope that it's helpful to someone. And I know the Holy Spirit's in it because all the songs have been talking about grace to help us in our time of need. Just every, every single song has been along the line that has uh, prepared my heart for what I have for you tonight. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this church and Lord the preacher and his son and the family and all that this place means to us, Lord, a couple hundred miles away. How great it must be to have this place here for those who live in this vicinity and can attend a great church. Truly, they have a treasure here. Lord, help them to see it, and Lord, help me to express just exactly what you would say if you were here tonight, if you were standing behind this pulpit of wood and were to speak to these dear folks. Bless our work back home. Bless the preacher in Ohio. Bless their travels back. Give safety. Lord, now please superintend these moments that we have together. Lord, I yield myself to you. If there's anything between me and thee, please forgive me. I want to be used by you. I want you to fill me, not just with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we enjoy every day, 
but a special endowment of power that you might speak behind the scenes as I speak with my faculties. Please make it so, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated if you would, please. Again, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's, it's a, an honor and a privilege to be a friend to my friend. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just amazed at that. And, and of course, uh, I'm sure that Brother Josh could have preached this message and this morning and did a fantastic job, as he often does here. And I've heard several of them. I look online sometimes, and I, uh, I listen. And, and uh, of course, I've known Josh, as I said this morning, and no more jokes. Uh, <laughs> known him for a long time, and, and I admire him. He's a man of great character. And uh, I only said that because he took me to eat today. But All right, that's the best you get there. The rest is on us. Amen. I'm going to turn over to the book of Job. Job needs very little introduction. We have certain phrases we use today. How many years ago? Probably Job's the oldest book in the Bible. Uh, many scholars think that because there's no reference to the law or Moses or Abraham in the book. Probably Job was the oldest book. So who knows how old the book of Job really is. But in that book... We, uh, so many years ago, we hear a story, and then today, thousands of years later, we still talk about the patience of Job, the trials of Job. We still know about it. It still means a lot to us. We learn things in the book of Job about how the devil deals with God, and how God deals with the devil, and how we sometimes, <laughs> I've told God many times, I'm not Job. I don't want to be Job. I don't want to be tested. I don't know if I would make it like Job did. But we know about Job. And so I'll, I'll say that and then tell you the end result. As I look at Job chapter 1. And I'll, I'll read a few verses here. And you do not have to follow. You can just uh, look up here and listen to what I read. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, verse 9, Does Job fear, doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. There was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, and they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am alone, escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, 
I imagine it stopped right here and just the cringe, the cringe factor that Job dealt with. What's next? And that thing which Job feared, that's scriptural, he heard these words. Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 20 is is really my text. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. What a man of God. What a truth. We also quote a lot of verse 21 when we talk about things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gave, and Uncle Sam took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You all with me? But this verse 20, now what do we do? There's this certain time frame where first comes the news. It's cancer. You're sick. There's been an accident. Your child is sick. A parent is sick. I hate to tell you this, but there's been a fire. Or the house is gone. I lost my spouse. I've lost my job. I've been sued. My family has been slandered. My child has been attacked. I have an incurable disease. I don't know what your news has been. I don't know everyone here in this church. But I do know that all of us, the the poem writer perhaps said it best when he said, in every life a little rain must fall. What I want to do tonight is give you some information some help, straight out of the word of God, from one of the greatest examples that's ever lived, the man called Job, what to do. There's no script, is there? When someone tells you, your father is dying. My wife and I were in Denver, Colorado, actually cleaning and preparing the estate of her father after he passed away. And we were in his house, the house where she grew up, cleaning out the basement, cleaning out closets, cleaning out all of the things that were left behind. And I received a phone call from home back in southern West Virginia where my family lives. The call came, Kevin, are you sitting down? And immediately I knew there was trouble. While we were cleaning the estate of my wife's father, my dad was found unresponsive. They found him in his pickup truck in front of his house in the yard, 
slumped over the wheel. They said, he's at the hospital, he's stable, but he's still unconscious. 28 days later, we'd bury my dad. My dad had 10 lesions found upon his brain. They said, Ken, are you in pain? He said, no. I stayed up with him in the hospital room. It was an Easter Sunday weekend in 2015. And as I sat there with my dad, I looked over at him. And he had this far off look in his eyes. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, what are you thinking about? It was one of those hushing moments. And I thought I was going to hear some kind of a uh, deep, insightful. I mean, I saw it on his face. I said, Dad, what are you thinking about? He says, I got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And he brought everything back to reality. (laughs) My dad was 81 years old. My dad had never been sick a day in his life. We never knew anything about it, never expected anything to happen like that. Navy veteran, just, just a, a uh, tremendous man. He worked for UPS, and I'm sorry, FedEx. He'd get mad if I said that. He worked for FedEx. Did you hear FedEx and UPS merged? Fed ups. Anyway. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. They just slip in there. I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but... FedEx. He worked for FedEx Ground. That means he carried the packages until he was 79. His back took him out of service. If you can imagine, back injuries are accumulative. And his back took him out of service, and and uh, he uh, he retired to just cutting grass and running weed eaters. <laughs> what a man! What a tough man! As I said, 20, 26, 28 days, and from the time we heard till the time that the funeral was held, it was a tough time. When you hear that kind of news, you're not prepared for it. The Lord prepares us, but we don't listen. We don't want to hear that kind of thing. We don't want. To, we put that out of our mind. We magically somehow we dismiss. The helps that the Lord even tries to bring to us and to prepare us. He may bring us a song. He may bring us a testimony of a friend or a story that we hear about where someone else went through the fire. And I'm not trying to get anybody here to be discouraged tonight or to relive a tragedy. But just to say when the next one comes. I want you to stop for a moment and say, now what do we do? And remember the words that I have for you this evening. In Job 1 and verse 20, the first thing that we see from this great man of God was these words, Then Job arose. This is an answer. You see, what do you have to do in order to arise? You have to fall down. That's pretty simple. And so much about God is his justice. And whatever goes down can be brought up. Whatever's unjust can be made right. 
There's so much of that about our justification. There's so much of that that will be made right at the great judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment one day. When all things are made well, it's the justice of God. And so in answer to falling down, down, Job arose. I encourage you, it's such simple thought there, but this is an indication of balancing an answer. Job is down and Job is back up. Just get back up. Just don't stay down. That's your first order of events. That's your first command, if you will, from the word of the Lord. When you have trouble, when the bad news comes, just get back up. We can do that. We can just get back up. Next, Job 1 verse 20, and rent his mantle. You've got my whole sermon right there in verse 20, because that's all I'm going to tell you about is what's in verse 20. Let's talk about it just briefly. Just get back up, and then it's okay to rend your mantle. That could have been much worse. We don't OMG. We don't scream the name of God when something happens. In this culture and in this time, renting one's mantle was a show of grief. There's nothing wrong with showing your grief. There's nothing wrong with, with screaming out in agony in the pain that you may feel or the, the news that you just heard. There's nothing wrong with that. The greatest Christian that ever lived probably is Job, and Job rent his mantle. He just tore the coat that was on his back. We're often found to be creatures bound to that which we're exposed, and, and that's what I want, to, want you to think about here We can react, we can cry, we can hurt, we can lift up our hands, and we can physically react. It's easy to tell somebody, don't overreact, when we're not the one with the news. So here's something you can do tangibly. You can get back up, and you can react. It's okay to cry. It's all right to scream. It's all right. Somebody will catch you. Perhaps planning what to do if it ever happened would be a wise thing to do. I'm often told I have teenage uh, teenage drivers in my home. Please pray for me and my vehicles and my insurance rates, but never mind. I've often told my teens uh, from the time the the, young, the oldest was was the first one to drive. Plan when the deer comes into your path. And that's how we say I love you in the country. Watch out for the deer. There's deer everywhere in Montegalia County in uh, West Virginia. What's that, Indiana? Where am I at? I don't know. There's deer everywhere. And they, they just, they take turns. They wait at the side of the road till their number's up. And they, they wait till you come. And then they jump in front of you. So I told, I told my, my children, plan now what you do when that happens. Because it'll happen. There's coming a day when you're going to come around the turn or you're going to to just be on mind your own business on a straight stretch somewhere. We don't have too many of those. And there's going to be a deer pop out of there right in front of you. Now, what do you do? Many people have made a bad decision right there. Well, I don't want to hit the deer. And so that deer that would move and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be 
<laughs> rude or, or gross, but he will collapse. He will move out of your way even if you hit him. But the oak tree, just a few yards down the road, it doesn't move. It's a lot more stubborn. That oncoming Peterbilt is, is you're going to be the one that will crush and that will move out of the way. You won't win that contest. And so I tell my children, prepare for it. You don't want to hit anything. Oh, they come back and oh, I hit a squirrel, Dad. Oh, you know, it's terrible. And, and you feel that they really mean it. They're destroyed because they hurt an innocent animal. If I wasn't there, it never would have happened, you know. And you feel bad for them, but you prepare them for that time when you make the decision now, and when the time comes, you know what to do. Now, there's nothing wrong with hitting the brakes. Nothing wrong with avoiding it if you can. <laughs> That's a good idea. But not to change your lane, and not to run off the road, and certainly not to run in the other lane and be distracted. But go ahead and plan now. That sounds terrible, I know. Plan now to hit the deer. Job arose. He rent his mantle. Next, and Job shaved his head. Now, some of you are way in front of me on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> my uncle, Dr. Gary Bowman, one of the greatest men I've ever met in my life, he's been the pastor of Lori Baptist Church in Julian, West Virginia, as of last week, 54 years. Same pastor, same church, all these years. The church is 100 years old this, this summer, and he's been the pastor of it for 54 of those years. And his father before him was the pastor, my grandfather. Isn't that an exciting heritage? That's exciting. Brother Bowman lost his hair in his 30s, and he always says, God only created a few good heads that are perfect. And the rest he kind of covered up. <laughs> I bought him a stick for Christmas one time. I said, this is your new hairbrush. He didn't appreciate me at all. I learned in Bible school, that Bible college, that the word Calvinist is the same root word where you get the word baldness. So I looked at Pastor Bowman and I said, does that mean you're a hyper-Calvinist? <laughs> <When it, laughs> that is so, so wrong. <clears throat> it's the people you hang around all day. They influence you. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> I said I'd be nice. I lied. I look at this and, and I know there's critics everywhere. Why did he rent his mantle? Why did he shave his head? Isn't that against the rules somewhere here? I've heard those things. I don't see it as that here at all. I see if we read the rest of Job and, and his dealings with his friends and, and how all of this came to an end, we can read deeply into Job. And I don't see that at all in Job. I see this as an act of nothing between my soul and the Savior. I see this as a humbling. Job already rose. Put yourself there. It's an act of mourning. He just lost all of his children. All ten of his children. He just lost many employees. He lost many animals. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to cry. Now get back up. React as responsibly as you can. And mourn. Seek those things that are between you and God. This is holy ground you're on. And next... 
the reaction is expected. Job fell down on the ground. You say, preacher, you just said Job arose. Yes, he did. The news was devastating. And this is going to be the process. If you've never went through the process of grieving and hurting and remembering the next day when you wake up and all of that wasn't a bad dream. It was reality and it happened again. And and Job got back up. And Job rent his mantle. And Job shaved his head. And Job fell down on the ground. This is a position of humbling. The Bible says John fell down. The Bible says David fell down. The Bible says Job fell down. It's okay to have a position of contrition. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says, well, humble, humble therefore yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. It's okay to go to God. I tell our teenagers often, in Proverbs 1, the scripture starts a series of chapters, especially through chapter 9, chapter 10 or so. My son, hear these words. Here is is a word that that comes from a, a group of words that talk about purchasing ropes to bind this truth to your heart. Hear it. Hear with an intent to obey. Hear with all of the the right spirit about what you're listening to. It's okay to have this position of contrition. When these young people would talk to me about it, i say, it's okay. You cry to God. I don't care if you cry to me. I don't care if you tell me the problem. I'll be glad to do my best to help. Cry to your parents. Cry to your siblings. Be careful about crying to your peers because then you're going to be obligated to follow their bad advice. But cry to God. God is the one that, there's, there's few things I think that have drawn me closer to the Lord than the times that I've just cried to God and told him my heart. It's a wonderful thing. If you don't know that about prayer, prayer is a two-way conversation. If you've ever prayed to the ceiling, you know how that feels. But when you really pray to the Lord and cry out, fall down on the ground and have a position of contrition. And finally, I'm not done yet, but finally, in Job's story, and Job worshipped. And he worshipped. Job did not curse. Job did not swear. Job did not strike anyone. Job did not curse God. Job did not kill himself. Aren't we glad for that? Job went into the presence of the Lord. There's coming a day when the deer is going to pop out. Plan now. What will you do in that day? When, in that great and terrible day. I, I, wish it, I wish I could tell you, just, just think positively. And, and this is never going to happen. You know, If you have the right spirit and attitude, you'll never be a test in your life. You know, that's not scriptural at all. I'm sorry to tell you that. There's going to come a time when you're going to have a rough day. And it may start a series of rough days, and it may start a series of rough days for the rest of your life. When it comes, will you be ready? All I'm bringing to you tonight so far is one man that reacted, and we have the record. He realized that, (laughs) this is quite a thought for the Josh, who was watching? 
I'll guarantee you Satan was watching. I guarantee you there were servants, at least four servants that were standing there watching. All of this happened in just a moment. All of this devastation came upon Job in just a moment. Thankfully, we're spared so much in our tragedies, in the worst tragedies in the room tonight. I don't want to compare yours to to Job's, but if I compared my own, I've not went through what Job did. God's been so gracious to me. Not good. He's far beyond that. He's good beyond anything I deserve. He's gracious to me. He gives me what I don't deserve. And I don't get what I do deserve. Grace works that way too. Job arose. Just get back up. Job rent his mantle. Am I missing? It seems like I'm missing something. Yeah, that's right. And then he shaved his head. Just nothing between my soul and the Savior. And he fell down on the ground in that position. And then he worshipped the Lord. It's okay to stop, to fall down, to react. And then remember to worship. The words that you say next are observed by the Lord. You're also observed by the devil. How you react, he'll know how to treat you next time. I got news for you. The devil has about 6,000 years of experience working with mankind. He's probably got our ways figured out by now. And he's very good at what he does. Just the thought of when the Lord gave him permission to strike Job, what it took to coordinate Logistically, all those events on the same day that those men and servants could come to have the greatest impact on Job's life, on his heart, on his mind, right there, all at once. And it all happened. And that was Job's reaction. I'm almost done, but bear with me as I tell you about David. In 1 Samuel twelve twenty, then David arose from the earth... Sound familiar? And washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then came to, then came, he came to his own house and when he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. So David gives our next step. Get back to our routine. Go ahead and shower, change your clothes, get some food and talk to people again. What great reactions we see in the word of God. Job is perhaps the greatest of all, but David as well. What was David's, what was David's news? He also lost a little one. There's perhaps something that we men can never totally understand. We can empathize. Our hearts can tear and break. But these dear ladies that have lost children. I can only pretend to know what that must feel like. I can only, by experience, watch it happen on the eyes and countenance and hearts and voice of those to whom I've spoken. But David's routine, he arose, he washed, he anointed himself, he changed his apparel, came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him and he did eat. 
Hezekiah reacted. In 2 Kings 19.1, the Bible says it came to pass when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes. Sound familiar? Covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Sunday is coming. The next service, you've had a tragedy. The devil will say, why don't you stay away from a while? You don't want to be around people right now. No, people's what you need. Get up. Go through your grieving process. Get back to the house of the Lord. And then finally, as we began the message, John reacted. History says he was beaten, dropped off of a building, and boiled in oil. He didn't die when they boiled him in oil. He lived through that. No doubt scars. No doubt pain. And they exiled him. Nero was at work. John acknowledged that he was a companion in tribulation. And John simply said, I was in Patmos. And John fell down. John worshipped. And then John took one more step, listened for instructions. Now what do we do? What a truth tonight. What a, what a thought. Just straight out of the word of God. I've not given you any psychological things that, you know, have a good spirit. I like what the old church lady said. I believe Norman Vincent Peale is appalling and the apostle Paul is appealing. I lean that way. I don't know what your tragedy is. If you're going through it now, if you've went through it recently, I'm sure that the number of people here with me tonight, there's several, if not many, tragedies, stories that could be talked about just from the folks that are here tonight. And you represent these things. And you're here. And God bless you for being here. We can't go back. We can't change the past. But we can prepare for when the deer comes. Let's stand for prayer. Dear Lord, we love you tonight. Lord, I love these people. I've loved them by prayer, day in and day out, for months and weeks and years. Lord, we prayed for this church before it was a church. We prayed for the man of God and his family and loved him. And Lord, been the recipient of his great love. And Lord, thank you for this church. And Lord, if, if I could be used somehow to prepare somebody, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would cause the impact of this message to be great and to be helpful. Not a message where we shouted, ran up and down the aisles, Lord, a message just of truth, of help and comfort, and instruction, and a straightening of a spine, and Lord, a tenacity to go on based on confidence that we get from men and women in the Bible that have done so in the past. Give us your grace here, please. Bless the invitation as someone just avails themselves to you and whatever it is that they cry out to your name to say this evening, hear each prayer. 
And we thank you for the words of God, for the power, the comfort, the confidence that we get in these blessed pages. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.